You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey there. We at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire Pods, search for us on iTunes or check out BlueWirePods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. It's time for the 49ers Rush Podcast. Here's your host, John Chapman. All right. Welcome to the episode. Uh, the 49ers Rush Podcast got a treat for you today. We have Ari Maroff of My Sports Update, who you got to admit, probably one of the best pulses on the NFL uh, in general as a whole. Really, really excited to have him on. And if you do not follow him on Twitter, I don't know what you're doing. At my sports update, if you just want a perfect glimpse of what's going across the NFL, this guy's got it better than anybody. Ari, welcome to the show, sir. I appreciate it, John. I'm good to be here, and, and you know it's been a pretty weird off season. It's been a busy off season, but um, we got through it. A lot happened, and I'm looking forward to talking about it a little bit. Yeah, and you know it, we always cover the 49ers here. There's no secret about that on the 49ers Rush podcast. But what I wanted to do, I wanted to step back. And kind of take a picture of, you take a glimpse of the forest instead of the tree and just the 49ers. And see what has happened to the NFL landscape through this offseason in the draft. And just kind of see who these contenders are, who stepped up into the playoff picture. And what we're going to do is we're going to divide it up into two segments. We're going to focus on the AFC first. Then we'll jump over to the NFC. 
and just kind of take a, again, a glimpse of the NFL landscape as a whole. And also, you know, I do want to just go ahead and plug this. One of my favorite podcasts that I've listened to in a while, um, Ari, you had on Adam Schefter just a few short days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to say that was an awesome podcast to listen to. And uh, again, just real quick, could you plug your podcast for my listeners uh, just in case they don't already subscribe? But if they don't, you better head over there. It's a great podcast. But Ari, go ahead and give us a quick rundown. Yeah, sure thing. We actually just had Adam Schefter. He's a good friend of mine. He came on on Monday, and um, we really talked about everything. It's the My Sports Update football podcast. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast. And we really talked about all the latest news in the NFL, you know, the NFL schedule, how this pandemic could make an effect on the NFL. And we spoke about his career as well, and he had some good stories in there. I highly recommend people to check it out. So, yeah, it was a pretty fun episode. All right. Uh, So let's jump right into it, the AFC. Now, I want to start at the top and just focus on, man, who are the major players? Like, we already know um, we have the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. They're definitely at the, the cream of the crop. But of those two teams, did either one of them increase their chances of being this kind of powerhouse of the AFC? Did they separate from the pack, or did they kind of fall back down and other teams catch up with them? I don't think they fell back down. I mean, I think Kansas City and Baltimore, they are for sure the top two teams in the AFC. When you look at the Chiefs and you look at what they did this offseason, you're you're looking at a team that is bringing back 19 out of their 22 starters from their Super Bowl winning team. And you know what I liked most about what they did is when in the first round, they even add more firepower to to their team. And you draft a player, an LSU running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, That was one of my favorite picks of the first round where you add him into your offense, where you already have Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and the Marcus Robinson. And of course, Patrick Mahomes and Damian Williams, you put him into this offense as well. And what was really interesting to me is that um, their general manager, Brett Beach said that he reminded him of Brian Westbrook and obviously Andy Reid coached Brian Westbrook. And when Beach told that to Andy Reid, he said he's even better than Brian Westbrook. So imagine adding that to your offense. That is, you know, a team that's already so good. You add him as well. I think Kansas City is the top team in the AFC. Nothing has changed there. And their defense, you know, they, they franchise tagged Chris Jones. Um, you know, they, they, they didn't lose any significant pieces there. So they are for sure still the number one team in the AFC. As for the Baltimore Ravens, I look at them and I, I wouldn't move them either. I think they're still there. They're not ahead of Kansas City for me. You know, they add Calais Campbell on that defense. You add Derek Wolf to that defensive line. You add more players to that defense. The thing that I worry about with this team, there's two things. First of all, the AFC North is much better. It's going to be much better this year where you look at the Steelers are getting Ben back and you look at the Browns. I think they're going to be better this year after all the moves they made and the Bengals, they won't be a joke. And the number two, I look at Lamar Jackson, the MVP from last year. That last year was his first official year as a starting quarterback with the playbook focused on him. I just wonder if defensive coordinators around the league during the course of this offseason are starting to figure him out a little bit. You know, last year it was something new. We haven't seen this since, like, Michael Vick. It is a fair question to ask. I know Ravens fans probably won't like hearing that. But um, it's something that you really have to think about. And then – You know, the Ravens, their draft, in my opinion, was one of the best drafts out of all the teams in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. They 
Well, you're able to get a guy like Patrick Queen in the first round and then J.K. Dobbins in the second. Are you kidding me? These are two guys who should be going much earlier than that. And Eric DaCosta crushed it there. And then even their, their, their other pick, they had four third-round picks, just tremendous value there. So I really like what they did. But the questions that I asked about the Ravens, I think it's a fair question to ask and to wonder about. And, and it's really interesting to me, too, in – there are teams in the NFL that build on identity and what they're good at and what they want to do, and they just keep retooling in those areas. You know, if you look back to the Chiefs, they want explosive offense. So what do they do? They spend a first-rounder on an explosive running back. You look at the Ravens who want to build through tough defense through the center of the defense, straight up the middle, and they want to run the ball. What are their first two picks? They get an inside linebacker, and then they go get a running back as well. So you have these teams that are at the top for a reason. Uh, they know what they're doing. They have a blueprint. They're not throwing darts at a dartboard. They have players and traits that they like, and they target those traits. And I, there's a reason why, as you said, the Chiefs and the Ravens are at the top of the pecking order. Now, staying with the AFC, there are a couple teams that <laughs> have been on the fringe. Uh, you know, let's look at you know teams like the Titans who made it to the AFC champ- championship. Um, obviously, you have the Patriots who I think are still in the mix. But who are those teams that can kind of move up and perhaps jump into this top tier in the AFC? Who gained the most ground uh, versus this elite tier? So, yeah, so you mentioned Buffalo and you mentioned um, Tennessee, but I look at a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is a team that they lost their quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger last year in September. And they still somehow managed to win games and keep games close with Mason Rudolph and Doug Hodges. Now you get Ben Roethlisberger back. And from what I understand, he's progressing well. And James Conner and Juju, they didn't have great years last year, but I think they will bounce back. And they added Eric Ebron in for agency, which in my opinion was one of the most underrated signings. You know, those lower second-tier, third-tier signings, that's a very underrated signing. That offensive line is still top three, top four in the NFL. Yeah. And the defense the defense is nasty. We, we saw it last year with T.J. Watt and Devin Bush. Minka Fitzpatrick was tremendous. Bud Dupree and Cam Hayward, Joe, Joe Hayden, they, they have guys there. It's a real defense. And also, I, I really like the addition that they had in the draft with Chase Claypool, a wide receiver in the second round. Listen, we know Kevin Colbert, their general manager. He's had success picking wide receivers over the years. And I am a big fan of Chase Claypool. And I would not be shocked at all if he's a type of player who has the production like um, – A.J. Brown had last year for the Titans. He has that type of rookie year in Pittsburgh. I really like Chase Claypool, and I think this team is is going to bounce back next year. And, you know, we talked about the Ravens before. I would not be shocked at all if if they create some competition there. Yeah, that division's going to be a lot of fun because, you know, I think the Cleveland Browns, you know, another team for staying in that division, they – I love their draft. Absolutely love their draft. They they had one of my favorites. I have them in the top three because they were able to go out and add four starters, if not more, the Cleveland Browns. And I love the AFC mm-hmm. North. And obviously with the Bengals and, you know, they're getting their quarterback. I don't think that they're going to be a factor in the playoffs anytime soon. But the competition level, I, you know, I think that there's two main uh, divisions in football that are just uber competitive, and that's you know the NFC West and the AFC North. I, I think mm-hmm. that those two conferences just kind of reign supreme. Do you see the Browns having an opportunity to be to fight with the Steelers and Ravens this year? Or are they still not there? 
Yes, I do. I, I wasn't. I, I liked the Browns last year, but I didn't like the fact that they had so much hype. This year, everything a little bit calmed down a little bit. They have a new general manager, Andrew Berry, who I really like. And then Kevin Stefanski coming in as the head coach is someone that I've heard that could really get a lot out of Baker Mayfield. And look at this team where they the offensive line was a major problem last year, right, especially at the tackle position. Where you go into free agency, you add your right tackle in Jack Conklin. You draft your left tackle in Jedrick Wills. Now that is set up. You get another tight end in Austin Hooper. You pair him with David and Joker, right? So there's no real excuses anymore for Baker Mayfield. This offense is just loaded. We know about Odell. We know about Jarvis Landry. We know about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. There really is no excuses for that team on offense. And I do believe that Kevin Stefanski will get a lot out of them. And then the defense, you know, they, they made some additions during free agency by adding a guy like Carl Joseph and a Kevin Johnson. These aren't flashy names. But there are players who are going to make a difference there. And I really do believe for the first time in a long time that the Browns actually will contend this year. I know they're in a tough division, but when you look at what they did this offseason, things are much quieter now, unlike last year where there was so much hype and so much attention. Now they're going into the season where everything's a little bit more normal. Um, There isn't as much craziness, not as much media hype. And I feel like they could actually do something this year. As we said, that division is going to be tough, but I really do like what they did this offseason. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Uh, curious to see, you know, the hype happened last year, and it was just too much. It got out of control. And you mm-hmm. know, I think we're finally in a position now with the offensive line upgrades that Cleveland made. I'm not a Baker guy. <laughs> I, I never have really been. I think the talent's there, yeah. but we're finally going to see. I mean, there's no more excuses. The O-line's good. It's young. Yeah. But it's good, and the skill positions are they have been excellent as well there. Now, 100%. Let, let's move on to the Patriots. Uh, we we got to talk about these guys. They've been there forever. Obviously, the changes at quarterback and all that stuff. But they spent ten draft picks, you know, in this draft, and they they didn't pick in the first round. Uh, they traded back. They could have got Jordan Love. They said nope. They jumped back. They're happy with what they got. They load up everywhere else. Is it time for the Patriots to miss the playoffs, or are they still going to be in contention in the AFC East with the Bills? This is a really tough one for me. I really don't know. And the reason really for me why I can't rule them out, the simple answer is because Bill Belichick is still there. Okay, that's the simple answer. But then again, I don't really know what to expect from this team. You know, Tom Brady is no longer there for the first time in 20 years to be a new quarterback. I spoke to Adam about this. He said, if we have a training camp, it is Jared Stidham's job to lose. Okay, They're not going to go after another quarterback. I know Cannon is out there. It does not sound like they're going to do that. So now you have this team, and Tom is not there anymore. And you look at what they have. They haven't really added much that makes me say, you know what, they still might be able to contend even though Tom is not there. What did they do this offseason that makes me go and say, you know what, they still might be able to do and make, and make some noise? You know, the additions they made, you know, Adrian Phillips and Brian Hoyer and Mary Bird and, and, and Bo Allen, these aren't names that are, are going to make a major difference or tilt the scale somewhere else. That's the thing with me. And it's really going to depend on Jared Stidham. Is he going to be the guy who could give you above average quarterback play? Because one thing here is the defense is still good. I know they lost some key pieces, Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins. Those guys are no longer there. Deron Harmon was traded. But, you know, I do believe in Bill Belichick. Josh McDaniels is still there. The coaching staff, for the most part, is still there. The offensive line 
which is, it isn't considered, you know, great, but I do think it's above average. They still have to figure out what they'll do with Joe Tooney, who was franchise tagged. He signed the tag, but are they going to keep him at that high number or could they extend him? So there are a lot of questions with this team. But if you ask me if they could still make a run at the division, I like Buffalo. I think we'll get to them later on. But um, I, I, I have a hard time believing that they could actually end up winning the division or actually make noise in the AFC next year. That is the way I look at it right now. But obviously, when you have Bill Belichick there, who has done things that none of us could ever imagine, then it's hard to rule them out. I feel like, you know, you look over the Patriots roster, and I just say, man, he's just got a bunch of single and double type players. Like, like he, just, he doesn't have the boom, bust, <laughs> highlight, whatever. They're just Nothing all flashy. role players that do their job, and there's no strikeouts, right? They're, they're just a high on-base percentage team, mm-hmm. and they're just mm-hmm. going to get it done. Now, before we leave the AFC, I've got... I'm a little biased here, you know. DeForest Buckner is one of my favorite players of all time. Love this kid. My, whatever I told my son, my 11 year old, that he got traded, he was uh, he was very frustrated to say the least. But the Colts, mm-hmm. you know, they go out, they trade away the number 13 overall pick to get DeForest Buckner. They go get their quarterback. They've been very very active, but I still think that they were able to add. A lot of starters and depth in this draft. I have the Colts uh, number five overall in the NFL in my power rankings. Am I too high on them? Where where do you place them at? You know, I'm very happy you brought up the Colts because I, I'm high on them as well. I don't know about number five, but I would put them in the top ten. And, you know, Titans fans, they might be angry at me at this, but I look at the Colts, a team that, you know, they started off really well last year and then things kind of collapsed. But this is the best offensive line in all of football. They started every game last year together, the offensive line, and they're all back together again, right? Now you bring in Phillip Rivers, someone who knows the offense. He's been with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni before. And we know he's not a mobile quarterback, but all those years in L.A., especially you know the last few years, he did not have an offensive line. It wasn't good. Now he has one, and I think we'll see a different Rivers this year. I love the first two picks they made in the draft with Pittman and Taylor. They add more weapons for Rivers. That is great. You add Trey Burton, who also knows Frank Reich's offense. And defensively, as you said, you know DeForest Buckner um, from San Francisco. You know how good he is. The guy is a monster. I love the trade for both sides. I understand it for both sides. We'll get to the San Francisco standpoint later on. But I think the general public does not understand just how good Buckner is. Because, you know, he no one really puts him in that Aaron Donald level. But I think he's there where the – Chris Jones and Fletcher Cox, he's on that level. And you put him on a defense, which already has Darius Leonard and a guy like Justin Houston, another veteran, and Kenny Moore. And they have other young pieces from last year's draft, like um, Rocky Sin and Bobby Okariki. I like this team a lot. And keep in mind, they have a third-place schedule next year, right, because they finished in third place. So they, they don't have to face, you know, the Chiefs or, or, or you know, the, the, the Patriots, who obviously aren't going to be as good. But they're going to have a third-place schedule next year. So instead of facing the Chiefs, They'll face the Raiders. So that also factors into this. So I, I really do like the, the Colts as well. Yeah, I, that's awesome. And the last two teams in the AFC that I want to talk about both made the playoffs last year. Uh, you know, I'm going to give you a chance to maybe uh, <laughs> help out the Titans fans just a little bit. But the Titans and the Texans, you know, it, we, we talk about competitive divisions. AFC South's not far behind from that top tier, especially if the Colts do make this jump that we think they're going to. 
What mm-hmm. happens with the Titans and Texans? You know, the Titans roster is pretty much the same. The Texans, lots of kind of shakeups and, you know, the whole Bill O'Brien thing. But what do you do with the pecking order in the AFC South with these two teams? So the way I look at the AFC South right now, I think the Colts are on top. I really do believe that. And I know I know a lot of Titans fans, they talk to me a lot. They're like, I mean, I'm very close with them. But it's very interesting to me because I really can't figure out if last year was the Ryan Tannehill I should expect this year. That's really my question. Last year, you know, it's a contract year. You come in. It's a magical run. You take over. All that is great. Now you get that fat contract. You lost your right tackle in Jack Conklin. Is it going to be the same Ryan Tannehill? And I, I just don't really know. And, you know, Derrick Henry is on the franchise tag. He hasn't signed it yet. You really don't know if he's happy about that. He wants a long-term deal. Are they going to get it done? And also, on the defensive side of the ball, you have to remember this. Their defensive coordinator, Dean Pease, retired. He's no longer there. And that is a pretty big loss. I know Mike Vrabel does a lot of that defense. But all the players on that team, they spoke really, really highly of Dean Pease. And he's not going to be there anymore next year. So I'm really not totally sure with this team. I do think they could end up, you know, a borderline playoff team. Keep in mind, there's going to be a seventh playoff team next year for each conference. That's pretty big in this. But I would put the Colts ahead of them. And as for the Texans, I mean, the Texans are very confusing for me. I mean, what they did this offseason had my, my mind blowing up a little bit. You know, the Andre <laughs> Hopkins trade, the Andre Hopkins trade, I spoke to a few people on this on my podcast, and all of them just can't explain it. They just really can't explain it. The fact that the fact that there were so many other receivers in recent history that have gone for first-round picks and the fact Bill O'Brien couldn't get one out of him and the fact that he took on a big running pad contract as well, I mean, it's just kind of absurd for me. And, you know, I had Mike Tannenbaum on my podcast, the former general manager, and I asked him about that, and he basically told me that, you know, the way Bill O'Brien does his things, there are people in the league who actually respect it. They're like, you know what, he's doing it his way. And you know what, the thing you have to say about the Texans is that they've won the division four out of the last five years. So as much as I want to hate on the guy, he keeps on winning. So that's the only thing about this. But my question with them is going to be, is this the year where the locker room just gives up on him? Because after all the moves they made this offseason, trading DeAndre Hopkins is pretty big. That is a player who has been there for many years, and all his teammates love him. Is this the year where, you know, some of the players start saying, oh, this guy already, you know, what are we going to do with him? You know, that is really my only question with the Texans. But um, the fact that he's won four out of five years, they haven't had any playoff success. But the fact that he won the division is is, is impressive, right? So um, that's the way I look at it. I mean, they're going to be the one team this year I'm going to be watching very closely. It's going to be a competitive division. It's going to be fun. All right, guys, here's the deal. If you're looking to last longer, go a few extra rounds, here's what you need to do. Go to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance into the bedroom to another level. So they've got the same active ingredient uh, as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. And since they're chewables, they work faster. So um, you can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. They work faster. They're chewable. What is not to like? And here's the deal. You don't have to have any awkward uh, interaction with anybody. They have an online physician, and so what you do is you just answer a couple questions. They're going to help you pair up with what works best for you, and here's the deal. They're going to ship it straight to your door in a very discreet package, so you don't have to even let people inside your house know that you're using it. If you're worried about that, who checks them out? doesn't matter because, again, very discreet packaging. Um, You don't have to worry about any type of embarrassment or any of those things, so here's what you've got to do. Head over to BlueChew.com. 
And you're going to get your first order for free whenever you use our promo code BLUEWIRE. Again, one word, blue like the color wire. Uh, it's $5 shipping for your first order to make sure it works so that you like it. After that, you're going to be taken care of. So again, bluechew.com. Just want to say thank you to them for their support of the podcast. Head over there and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Now let's jump over. Let's do the NFC. And man, uh, I feel like there are two kind of juggernauts in this division, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the 49ers and the Saints. Do you have those two teams up top? And if not those two, who else would you put in that top tier? So for me, let me start with my number one team. I still think the 49ers are on top. And, you know, when the offseason started, I really thought there was no chance whatsoever that they bring back Arik Armstead or Jimmy Ward. And I was really impressed with what John Lynch and Parag Marate and, and Kyle Shanahan and the rest of the staff over there did this offseason. Just very impressive. You know, you cannot pay Buckner $21 million a year. They realized that early when they spoke to his agent, Joel Siegel. You know what? We can do it. So they let his agent actually go look for a trade partner. And they were actually shocked that he was able to find a team that would pay him $21 million a year plus give up a top 15 pick. So they, you know, they did that trade. They bring back Armstead. They bring back Jimmy Ward. And what they did after was actually even more impressive to me, where you let Emmanuel Sanders go. And in the draft, you get your replacement for Buckner with Kinlaw, who many around the league, by the way, they really like Javon Kinlaw. They think it's a very safe prospect who's going to come in and make an impact immediately. And Brandon Ayuk, you know, he wasn't the guy who was getting a lot of attention, when the draft was going on, you know, there's a top three wide receivers. And after that, no one talked about Brandon Ayuk, but Kyle Shanahan, from what I understand, really, really loves this kid. And he's going to come in and replace Emmanuel Sanders. And the thing that I really liked most about the 49ers this offseason, Joe Staley retiring was obviously huge, a cornerstone for so many years, but they knew he was going to retire for a full week. And in this day and age for that, not to leak for a full week and that they were able to trade for Trent Williams, was really, really impressive. And then after they make the trade, they let the news about Joe Staley retiring leak out to the public. A very impressive offseason. I don't think they, I know they lost some big pieces, some big names, but they were able to replace those guys. So I'm going to keep the 49ers at number one. And I think this is a team that will be back next year as the top or up there in the NFC. Now, it, and I think it's interesting, too. You know, you look at the NFC West and you go back-to-back years of, you know, the Super Bowl runner-up with the Rams and the 49ers, and I almost feel like John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan were able to learn from the Rams on exactly mm-hmm. what not to do from a contract situation. And, you know, you mentioned they were in a bidding war with the Saints for Emmanuel Sanders, and they offered a decent deal. They just couldn't compete. And they chose, look, you know, John Lynch was asked, are you trying to win now or are you trying to build for the future? And John Lynch says, I think we could do both. And and that definitely seems to be what they're trying to do. 100%. Listen, people around the league, they'll tell you that the 49ers have one of the smartest front offices in the league. What they have going over there, you know, they know what their price is and what they want to do. You know, they're not going to go overboard on any specific player. And as I said before, John Lynch, Prague Marathi, Adam Peters, they have a really impressive front office there. And they know what they're doing. They're making smart decisions. And you can see it. It shows right now. And the Rams, I mean, they're, they're in a situation right now where they're kind of in a pickle. They're, they're in cap hell a little bit. So, yeah, you're 100% right. And now you said you had the 49ers won. Who is kind of trying to fight for that top spot with them in the NFC? 
All right. So this is a bit of a tough one for me. And I know you mentioned the Saints, but I really have it as 2A and 2B. I think the Saints are 2A and I think the Buccaneers are 2B for me. Okay. So let me let me start let me start off the Saints over here. There, there might not be a team in the NFL that has a roster as loaded as the Saints. You know, obviously you bring back Breeze and Taysom Hill. You put Winston in the Teddy Bridgewater role. Uh, and, yeah, and Teddy Bridgewater role. So the quarterback position is set. And obviously, you, you finally get the number two wide receiver they've been looking for for so long with Emmanuel Sanders. And you bring in Malcolm Jenkins, who is one, he's like the ultimate leader on defense in the NFL. If you want a leader on defense, Malcolm Jenkins is the guy you're looking for. So he's back there for a second stint. And, you know, they draft a guy like Cesar Ruiz in the first round. They didn't really need offensive line help. Their offensive line is pretty much set. But you know what? Why not? Let's add him into the mix as well, have more depth. So there's really no excuse for the Saints not to be great once again this year. And I do think this will likely be Drew Brees' last year because he did sign that contract to NBC. So I do think he's moving on to television next year. So it really is now or never for them. But as for the Buccaneers, this is a team that, you know, they always say don't get too excited for a team that does a lot in the offseason. But what they did this offseason for me is it's a lot. But, you know, first of all, bringing in Tom Brady, obviously that's the big one. But there's more than bringing Tom Brady in. It's the fact that Jameis Winston is no longer there. The amount of turnovers and possessions that they are saving by bringing in Tom Brady and moving on from Jameis Winston is enormous. You know that, obviously, 30 interceptions. Tom Brady does not throw that many interceptions. That's huge already. But then you put in weapons like a Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and um, O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid and Rob Gronkowski. I mean, it's a Tom Brady has never had these many weapons on offense. It just never happened. Even when Randy Moss was there with, with Wes Welker, we're talking about, you know, Mike Evans, as, as I just said, all these guys, these are a big-time name, and he's going to have a lot of fun there. And, of course, the offensive line as well, getting Tristan Wirfs in the first round was huge, and Bruce Arians obviously is a quarterback's coach. So that, that offense is going to be explosive, like one of the best in the league, in my opinion. And the defense in Tampa Bay – is something not many people talk about. You know, nobody really gives the team credit, but Todd Bowles, what they did at the end of the year last year, they were one of the best defenses in football. They were top five, top seven defense in the league. Levante David, I've been saying this for years, is one of the most underappreciated players in the NFL. One of the best linebackers does not get any national recognition at all. Shaq Barrett, 19 and a half sacks, he is back. Jason Pierre-Paul, is back. And Dominican Sue is back. Devin White, their top five pick from last year, he's going to blossom even more. They have a young secondary. And, you know, this defense, as I said last year, they were really great. I think it's only going to get better this year, especially that they're not going to be on the field as much coming on the field after an interception. You know, all of a sudden, they're not going to have that this year. So I really like the Buccaneers. And I'm also going to add, I spoke to their center, Ryan Jensen, um, last week, and he told me, hey, we're all excited about all this. But we cannot fall into the trap like other offseason winning teams have in the past. We have to do our work, and I think they will. I think they're going to be real, uh, the real deal next year. It's going to be fun to watch. I, I mean, it, it's you almost can't even make up the story that has happened with Bruce Arians going down there, and then of course Brady, and then you add Gronk, which is just the icing on the top, and then the mm-hmm. you know to land Wirfs. It, it's it's a storybook uh, <laughs> ending. We'll have to see how it ends. All that stuff. But uh, let's jump over to the NFC East. Somebody's got to make the playoffs in this division every year. Uh, the Cowboys took some major step forwards, even though the Eagles won it last year. How do you see these two teams uh, kind of fighting it out in the NFC East? And did the Giants or Redskins actually earn their place at kind of the table with those guys? So the NFC East is so tough. I mean, every year 
first of all, I think it's been, um, I don't remember exactly how long, but it's been a different division winner for 15 consecutive years, I believe. It's 15 or 14 or something like that. Every year, this division is a different winner. It, it's an unbelievable stat. So that's number one. And I, and I think that might change again this year. I think I, I, Philadelphia won it last year, but I really like what Dallas did this offseason. You know, first of all, Mike, Jason Garrett's no longer there. He's been there for a long time, obviously. It didn't work out. They couldn't get over the hump. Now you're bringing a head coach who has won the big game. He's won the Super Bowl. And nonetheless, he won the Super Bowl in Jerry's world. He won it in Dallas. All right, so you have Mike McCarthy there. Dak Prescott's contract situation is going to be something to watch. He is not doing all the virtual stuff right now. And for a quarterback, that is a big deal. So that is something that is very big, and we'll have to see how that pans out. But you look at this offense, and the offensive line, again, it's a top-five offensive line in the NFL. But they get CeeDee Lamb in the draft, and another player who was just a steal at number 17. Are you kidding me? Number 17 for CeeDee Lamb to go is just absurd. You put him with Amari Cooper and Blake Jarwin, who's a tight end that they believe in a lot, and uh, Michael Gallup, the other wide receiver, and, of course, Zeke. So that offense should be lethal this year. I know they had some trouble last year. But, um, you know, Dak gets a lot of hate on social media. I don't think Dak is a bad quarterback or a mediocre quarterback. I think he's an above-average quarterback. With all these weapons that he has, I think that he that the Cowboys offense will be just fine next year. And then on defense, they made a lot of moves and a lot of veteran moves. So I don't really know if these guys are going to be, you know, difference makers in a big way. But, you know, you bring in a guy like Gerald McCoy and then Tari Poe and HaHa Clinton Dix and you re-sign Anthony Brown. And also, Alden Smith is so interesting, and you're a 49ers guy, so you know him pretty well. I don't really know what he has left. You know, I know he's been training with Jay Glazer at his place, but um, from what Jay Glazer keeps on saying, he says Alden Smith is going to come back and wreck the league. And when you hear that, it's like, whoa. You know what I mean? So I like that. And also another thing that they had a lot of problems with last year, they lost a couple of games because of their kicking game last year. Brent Maher was a big problem last year, and they signed Greg Zerline, who, you know, he kind of wasn't exactly what he was in previous years last year, but nonetheless, he's an upgrade at the kicking position. So I like the Cowboys in the NFC East. As for the Eagles, you know, Carson Wentz, what happened there where they draft Jalen Hurts, I mean, I understand the move, but this is a team that was devastated by injuries last year. But Carson Wentz was the one guy who actually played all 16 games. And he was the one guy who, you know, he got hurt in the playoffs on a dirty hit. So yeah. I really can't blame him for that. You know, I can't blame him for that. I think Carson Wentz is fine. I, I don't agree with drafting Jalen Hurts. But that's a different story. But as for this team, listen, the defense with Fletcher Cox, they, another underrated addition that a team made this offseason was Javon Hargrave signing from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia. This guy is one of the um, under, another underappreciated player who did a lot for Pittsburgh. Now he comes to Philadelphia, pairing up with Fletcher Cox. That is pretty scary. And um, the secondary, the secondary, listen, it was dreadful last year. Darius Slay comes in. There you go. One of the top five cornerbacks in the NFL. You put him in as well. So, you know, the NFC East is going to be interesting. I do give the Cowboys the edge, but the Eagles are right behind them. And as for the other two teams, the Giants and the Redskins, the Redskins have the potential to, they're not going to do what the 49ers did last year, going from the number two pick to the Super Bowl. But that defensive line is nasty, you know, with Chase Young and Jonathan Allen and um, Deron Payne and Mike and Ioannidis and Ryan Kerrigan um, and um, the, la- the first-round pick last year, Montez Sweat. So th- there's a lot of talent on the defensive line. Ron Rivera comes in. My biggest question with the Redskins is really, I don't know what I'm getting with Dwayne Haskins. 
So um, I have to see more of that before I really have a decision on them. I don't think they make the jump this year, but I think Redskins fans have a lot to be excited about. And as for the Giants, you know, I'm from New York, and um, they obviously hired Dave Gettleman here. And for the first time in a long time here in New York, there's actually a little bit of excitement for what the Giants have done. Because in previous offseasons, obviously last year, where they traded Odell and the place was flaming up over here. People were going crazy. But um, this offseason, where they actually make some big moves, they add to the secondary of Bradbury, and um, they add um, on defense Blake Martinez, a linebacker. The linebacking core last year was not good. Kyle, Kyler Fackrell as well. Um, and Daniel Jones, the quarterback there, I'm a Daniel Jones believer. I, I know that people thought they reached last year at number six. But if you believe he's your quarterback, you take him there at number six. Dave Gettleman believed in that. And he had a pretty impressive rookie year. And the offensive line now, you add Andrew Thomas to the left to the right side for, for year one. They'll have Nate Sold on the left side. Will Hernandez is, is emerging as one of the better guards in the NFL. So finally, they fixed up the offensive line for him. Saquon Barkley, one of the best running backs in all of football. The wide receiver game of Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard. So they have a nice team coming along. I also do believe in Joe Judge, their new head coach. He's a guy who is a no-nonsense guy. You know, He wants to get the best out of his players, just like Bill Belichick. Is that going to work? I don't know. But I really do like him as the head coach over there. And I think the Giants are a team that could go you know, 8-8 eight and eight or even 9-7. and seven. I do believe in them that much. Oh, wow. I think that would be very well welcomed by their fans. I just want to give a real quick shout-out to our sponsor. I love this. BetOnline.ag. These guys are awesome. They have supported the uh, podcast and all of Blue Wire podcasts for a while now. They are a great company. And here's the deal. With currently no NBA, NHL, MLB, football, whatever, you, there's no sports. We get it. But here's the deal. You can still go out and bet. Um, our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag, still has hundreds of events games props to wager on from their online casinos to poker blackjack they're bringing vegas to you now uh, if you're missing the nfl um no problem they have live daily every single day madden nfl 20 simulations that you can bet on so you can still bet on tv shows like survivor big brother american idol all those things stock prices religion whatever it doesn't matter you can bet on everything betonline.ag it's open 24 hours a day and it's all online so Head over there. Here's the deal. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE, one word, BLUEWIRE, to join today. Receive your new welcome bonus, betonline.ag, your online wagering solution. Head over there. Sign up now. And, man, let's jump now real quick. I I just want to talk about two teams in the NFC North. And most important, I want to talk about the Packers, okay? The draft is a big deal. And, you know, every single time the draft gets going – Everybody talks about, man, just get best player available, no matter what, and make it work. Well, I feel like the Packers actually tried to do that. Now, I do have some questions with the way they set their big board and all those things, but I don't think they drafted one starter. I don't think that they upgraded really one position. They did help out with a lot of backup uh, positions and depth, but this is a team that was in the NFC Championship. Um, Do you see their draft as just kind of like, all right, let's build for the future, or do you think that they improved their roster in 2020? No, the draft was clearly building for the future. I mean, there's no other way around it. I mean, you take Jordan Love with your first pick, you take a running back with your second pick, and you look at the running back situation where Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are both in their final year of their contracts, right? And we all know that teams don't, you know, teams are hesitant to, play, to pay running backs. 
So if that's something they're thinking about already, you know, it makes me wonder when you take A.G. Dillon in the second round and then you look at their other picks, you know, they took a tight end in the third round. They just drafted a tight end in the third round last year of Jay Sternberger. And I really did not understand what the Packers did this year. As you said, a team that made the NFC Championship game last year, a team that is desperate for wide receiver help in a wide receiver draft that was considered as one of the best in recent memory, and they passed on all the wide receivers in this draft, not taking one at all. It's head-scratching. And, you know, I spoke about this with Adam, and Adam straight up told him, listen, when you take Jordan Love in the first round and you take a quarterback in the first round, all that says to your starting quarterback is that he's on the clock. That is basically what it says. You don't take a quarterback and you sit him on the bench for three, four years, you pick up his 50 year option, you don't play him. That doesn't happen in the NFL. I know Packers fans are telling me, hey, we did that with Aaron Rodgers, but that was, that was a long time ago. This is a new NFL. Now, when you take a quarterback in the first round, you expect him to be starting in year one or year two. No one sits him for three years. It doesn't happen anymore. You don't see that anymore. So it's, it's a good question to ask. And I look at the Packers. They did not improve at all in free agency. I mean, Christian Kersey is a nice signing, but they made all the noise last year when it comes to paying guys this year, they didn't do that much. And it really does make you wonder if, you know, they have a general manager in Brian Kudigas and the head coach in Malifor, they're entering year two together or Gruden gets year three, Malifor is in year two. And it makes you wonder if they feel like, you know what, maybe we don't have what it takes to get over the top and it's time to look ahead to the future. I really do wonder that. I mean, why would you not try to improve this team, you know, even at wide receiver and free agency, why not sign a guy like Robbie Anderson or Emmanuel Sanders? Why are you sitting quiet? It doesn't make any sense to me. And in the draft, as you said, going quarterback, running back, tight end as your first three picks, very head-scratching, very head-scratching. I, I really think the Minnesota Vikings have to be the favorite uh, in this division now. I love what they did. You know, you, you move on from Stefan Diggs, which depending on how you have them rated, whatever, but they got <laughs> they got premium draft capital back, and they go get a guy, Justin Jefferson, who I think is going to step in and have more catches than Diggs did last year in year one in this offense. I uh, really like what the Vikings were able to do through the draft. Do you think that they have what it takes uh, to not only, you know, they were in the playoffs last year and had a great record, but can they finally win the NFC North? Yeah, the Vikings are going to be very interesting. I just said they lost to Von Diggs and they replaced him with Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson was one of those wide receivers in this class that did not get enough attention. Like, you know, we always talked about CD and Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy. I thought he should have been in that conversation as well. And no one put him in that conversation. The Eagles passing on him was a different story. But um, I really like Justin Jefferson. You put him into this team. The question really with him is, is could he play on the outside? You know, he really played mostly in the slot at LSU. But he's a big play guy who shows up in big games, and Minnesota's going to love him. Kirk Cousins is going to love him. But the thing about Minnesota is that they lost a lot of other players over free agency. You know, they lost three cornerbacks with Trey Wayne, Xavier Rhodes, and McKenzie Alexander. So those are three big losses. They also have Everson Griffin as still a free agent. They're not closing the door on that. I know Griffin said he's not coming back. But if you lose him on the pass rush, that's a pretty big loss. Um, you know, they also lost Jaron Curse and Josh Klein on the offensive line. Linval Joseph was a big loss as well. So defensively, they're going to get a lot younger. And it makes me wonder if that's going to create some stumbling blocks. You know, a team that had so many veteran presence, the guys who have been in the league for a long time know what they're doing. Now you're entering a bunch of guys who are – you know, rookies and year two, year three guys. 
So is that going to create problems, especially in a year like this where we're in a pandemic, where there is probably there isn't any offseason pro- programs as of now. There might not be any training cap, and it makes you wonder if you're missing all those veterans if that's going to make a big difference. But offensively, I like what they did. You add you add Justin Jefferson, as we said. Adam Thielen is a stud. Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs in football. Kirk Cousins had a great year last year. Didn't get enough credit, in my opinion, because he always gets hate, but he was tremendous last year. Obviously, they beat, they won the playoff game against New Orleans. So I do like their offense. I do have questions about their defense. But um, I would agree with you that they are the favorites in the NFC North as of now. Yeah, it's it's another that's going to just be a fun watch. You know, I don't think the Bears did enough to kind of close the gap, but we jump over and this is kind of the stake uh, uh, save the stake for last. The NFC West, mm-hmm. we've talked about the 49ers, we talked about the Rams. But man, I think the Cardinals, they another team. I their offseason you could not argue again, you, maybe Tampa Bay, then I think it's the Cardinals. You go get DeAndre Hopkins for a second and change. Uh, I love that Isaiah Simmons fell to them. I think that's a perfect fit as well. And then they get Josh Jones in the third round, which I think was one of the biggest draft steals out there. Can the Cardinals finally get over that hump and fight for that seventh playoff spot, even though they're in a tough division? Yeah, I'm there with you. I, first of all, I love the Cardinals. If you guys listen to my podcast, I've plugged them in like three, four times. When I, I ask this question to most of my guests, which is an up-and-coming team in the NFL? And I get a bunch of different answers, but every time my guests finish their answers, I just keep on bringing the Cardinals because I really like what they did this <laughs> offseason. I really do. And I look at Kyler Murray. You know, the Cardinals didn't get any national TV games last year, no Sunday night or Monday night games. So fans around the league didn't get to see him as much. This year, they're going to be on primetime a lot. I haven't seen the schedule yet, but I assume that it's going to happen. And if he has a year two leap like a Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, watch out for the Arizona Cardinals. Seriously, watch out for them. You know, Larry Fitzgerald is back. DJ Humphreys, they re-signed a left tackle. Um, Kenyon Drake is back, who was tremendous last year. Obviously, you talked about DeAndre Hopkins coming. They rob him away from the Texans. Let's just say how it is. Um, they get rid of David Johnson's contract, which was huge, something that no one thought they'll be able to do. And then, you know, defensively, this is a team that added a bunch of good, good, solid players. Nothing flashy, but we're talking about Devon Kennard, who, if you talk to Lions people um, before they released him, obviously, like last year, Devon Kennard was one of those guys who's a locker room guy and a leader. You bring him in at your in your in, at linebacker, Devontae Campbell um, from Atlanta. Another name that many people really don't know, but a player who had um, he was up there. I think he was top three in tackles last year in the NFL. Um, so he'll do a lot for them. And then Jordan Phillips coming over from Buffalo, a big guy at defensive tackle. He had eight or nine sacks last year. You add him as well onto this defense, and of course Isaiah Simmons. I mean Isaiah Simmons, a player who. You know, I asked a bunch of people on a podcast about him, and they were really all over the map on him. You know, what is he going to do in the NFL? People are telling me it really depends where he lands because we've seen these type of players in the past. You know, chess players, where where are they going to play in the NFL? The Cardinals had one in Hassan Reddick. They just, they just declined his fifth-year option. So how are they going to use Isaiah Simmons is a big question for me. Vance Joseph said he's going to start up um, only at linebacker. So um, how are they going to use him is a big question for me. But when you look at this Cardinals team, as I said before, if they take if Kyler Murray takes that jump in year two with Cliff Kingsbury, who, by the way, I love him as a head coach as well. If they take that year two leap, the Cardinals could very well take that seventh or just get a wild card spot. That would be the seventh spot, five, six or seven. Yeah, they're going to be competing. And, you know, a team that always competes no matter what, despite the roster that he plays with, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. You know, this is just one of those teams that's – it doesn't make any sense. 
you know, the way that they draft, they they their board doesn't match anybody else's board ever. Nobody. And they yeah. do their own thing, which I guess you got to respect. But it seems like it's Russell Wilson just carrying this team year in and year out. He still hasn't missed a start yet. Did the Seahawks improve at all? The Seahawks every year are very confusing, as you just said. And, you know, this year was the first year they didn't trade out of the first round, which shocked so many people. I thought that was funny. But, you know, the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, you, you talk about Russell Wilson. And after the season was over, Russell Wilson did a bunch of interviews and a bunch of different shows. And for the first time, I kind of heard a little bit of frustration out of him. I don't know if you saw this, but, you know, he, he went on one of the shows and he said, you know, I think we got to add more to this team. And, you know, he never did that before. He, he kind of was calling out the front office to do more. The next week, you know, they signed Greg Olson. So I thought there was a little bit of a sign there. You know, we got we to gotta do some more over here. Um, the big question really here with the Seahawks, there's a bunch of things about them, but Jadavion Clowney is still a free agent. And that's, that's a big piece, you know, that, that could be a difference between winning eight games or 10 games, you know, because we, you saw last year what he did yeah. against San Francisco on that Sunday night game, you know, when he's on, he's on, you know, so he, he could make a major impact. They, they haven't closed the door on that, but um, John Snyder said on a, to reporters recently that, you know, we really cannot wait any longer. We need a decision here. We're starting virtual meetings. You know, we want him here or what are we going to do? So that is something to watch. I know he's healthy now. But uh, as for the rest of the, the offseason, you know, they trade for Quinton Dun- Dunbar from um, Washington, um, a guy who is another underrated player, wasn't happy in Washington, wasn't happy with what they had over there. They get him for a fifth-round pick. That's great value. You put him into your secondary. The offensive line, they lose two key pieces, though. And, you know, Justin Britt at center, they cut him last week or two weeks ago. Um, DJ Fluker, they cut him as well. I didn't really understand both of those moves. I understood Britt. I know he's injured. But DJ Fluker was someone who the guys in the locker room really liked. And from my understanding, it caught him by surprise a little bit. I know they cleared some cap space of the move, but why are you doing that now? Why, like, what, what are you trying to do there? So the offensive line is going to be a big question for me. Um, Russell Wilson just makes things happen. We've seen it over and over and over again. But I always have a hard time understanding what the Seahawks will be the next year. I know there was one year where there were a lot of media people that said, the Seahawks are going to be the worst team in the NFL. I'm like, why are people saying that? They have Russell Wilson there still, right? So I, I don't really know what to expect from this team. I could see them going third, or I could see them somehow surprising people and finishing first in the division. That's just how they work. I mean, it's crazy how they do it. It's crazy how Pete Carroll works, but they just find a way. So um, it's a tough situation. I really can't answer that. Yeah. And, man, I can't say thanks enough, Ari. This was an absolute blast, and I feel like a sponge over here just soaking it all up, so I really do appreciate it. Again, right before you jump off, again, just want to say thank you, but um, on Twitter, if you don't follow this guy, oh, my gosh, at my sports update, please head over there, do it. You'll thank me later. Uh, he's one of the best in the business. Ari, thank you so much for your time, and, man, can't wait to hear what you got going on, and just want to say thanks again, man. I appreciate it, John. This was fun, and I look forward to talking again. Hopefully we have a football, full football season as well. It's going oh. to be interesting to see. Yeah, you and me both, man. Thanks again, Ari. Take care, guys. All right, we'll talk soon. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.